0: I've got a very important question for you. I'd like to like to ask you this question right up front this morning. I'd like you to give me your honest answer. I would like you to not sugarcoat it. I want you to give it to me in in all of its glory. Turkey or ham? I don't, I don't know if I can go to church here anymore for that. I'm not sure. <laughs> it's my fault. Listen, friends. Okay, I've got the pulpit this morning, all right? So. Turkey is the holiday bird, okay? I'm going to start a petition... I'm going to start a petition that, that even, even Easter, no. <laughs> got one of them ham lovers back there on the soundboard, you guys better remember those hams come out of my freezer, buddy, I'm just telling you that, 18 days, come on, 18 days until thanksgiving. I know what you're thinking. This guy is nuts. <laughs> no, I'm not. You like turkey better than ham, yes, <laughs> <laughs> Let me tell you something. Thanksgiving, this is, we need to get this in our minds, in our hearts today. And I am, I am geeked up, okay? I am geeked up about this month because Thanksgiving is coming. It's the one day, the one day a year when a Lions fan can guarantee they're going to get to watch their team on TV. And they're playing well. They are playing well. So you better, you better be there watching that game because if you don't, you never know. You might be the reason why they lose. 46, just for you ham lovers, 46 million turkeys will be eaten on Thanksgiving. That's just for you guys. Evidently, the tryptophan thing was a scam. It's not really, I guess, true. It's just that you've all eaten between 3,100 and 4,500 calories that day, and all the blood is rushing to your stomach to try to digest it, and you can't stay awake. 229 grams of fat on average. I can't wait! 50 million pumpkin pies will be consumed. That's how, that's, that's us, guys. And pumpkin isn't even America's favorite pie. See, we can take even a non-favorite pie and put it across the finish line as the most consumed pie on that day just because we can. <laughs> the best leftover meals on earth happen immediately following Thanksgiving dinner. Takes nine hours to prepare that meal and 15 minutes, it's over. (laughs) Nothing but carnage is left. I don't know if you know this, but Black Friday is the busiest day for plumbers in America. It's true, it's true. Do you know what they call it in the industry? Brown Friday. It's on the internet, it's on the internet, it's true, it's true. They call it Brown Friday. Listen, listen, you can't, you can't get this stuff anywhere else. Let's just be honest, okay? But as Americans, we have been Blessed. can anybody say amen? amen oh my goodness you know in 2003 there was a study that was done and they looked at 800 descriptive traits and you know what the number one the number one worst trait in that survey was ingratitude that's powerful out of 800 different descriptive traits, ingratitude was the most negative. Bernard of Clairvoy, 12th century abbot, he said this, Ingratitude is a burning wind that dries up the source of love, the dew of mercy, and the streams of grace. For you, for me, ingratitude is ridiculous. It is Ridiculous, And yet this morning, I'm going to provide you with four tips on how to have an attitude of ingratitude. Are you ready? Are you sure? All right, number one. Tip number one. Here we go. Always keep score. If you want to have an attitude of ingratitude, always keep score. It is a must. In fact, in fact, write it down. Write it down, because that way you'll be sure not to forget it. Everything that bothers you, everyone that annoys you, write it down, okay? Write it down, because you want to be able to remember this thing. In fact, take, take time in the morning when your thoughts are clear to jot down three or four different things that irritate you. It doesn't matter how insignificant they are. Just take a moment and do that. Make sure that you dwell on it regularly throughout the day. You know that, that, that trick? There's a trick to remember people's names, right? So when you meet someone and you want to remember their name, you need to repeat their name while you're talking to them several times use the same sort of, 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 of tactic okay, or technique and repeat that thing throughout the day that's irritating you so much, okay? Just repeat it and, and you're gonna remember it. It's gonna be something that you're gonna be able to stay in connection with. Proverbs 23 and verse seven, the first half of the verse says, for as he thinks in his heart, so is he. Our heart leads the way. So if we want an attitude of ingratitude, let's start, let's start remembering these things. Let's start keeping score. Right, Man, we got this thing called post-it notes. You could leave those all over the house. Just jot down that thing that's ticking you off. Let's slap it on the mirror. Put it on the fridge. You'll see it a lot. Remember those things. Write them down. Keep score. Philippians chapter 4, Paul says this in verse 8, Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Friends, our thoughts impact our attitudes. And if we're Thinking thoughts of ingratitude, that's what's going to come out. We become what we think about. Number two, tip number two, speak negatively whenever possible. Come on, let's do it. Some of you are already ahead of me on this, okay? Because this is, you, you got, you've already got this. This is your season, okay? This is, this is you. you, you've got it. Call it like you see it. I love it when people say that. I just call it like I see it. You know, I'm a realist. <laughs> if you're going to develop a, an attitude of ingratitude, you got you got to make sure to voice your frustrations. Let I mean, come on, let it out. In fact, cultivate a creative and colorful colorful vocabulary to use in the process. Start using words like horrible and irritating and atrocious and stupid. When we were kids, and I'm gonna hope and pray that my brother Dan isn't watching this today because he's not preaching today. He's on vacation and and he's at his hunting camp and he has high-speed internet, okay? So he could be watching this. When he was a kid, he, he believed that, that if you were going to get good at something, you had to practice, and he wanted to get good at swearing. And he would practice. And he would come to me and he would say, Kevin, you, I, I've been working on this. you got to hear this. And my ears had never heard such things in my life. He got really good at it because he worked at it. If we're going to be good at it, at an attitude of ingratitude, we're gonna to have to work at it. We're gonna to have to speak those things. We're gonna to have to be committed to this process. Don't ask questions, make statements and make them negative. Because language matters. Let's let it all out. Words have power and they impact those that are around us. Proverbs chapter 18, verse 21 says, Death and life are in the power of the tongue. Now, your words may not have the power to actually produce reality, but they will weigh down hearts. Those words that you speak, they can stir up anger. Those words that you use can inflict wounds. They can make things worse. Words can destroy. Because words can contain bitterness and hatred. They can contain unforgiveness and complaining and defeat. They can tear us down rather than build us up. Paul says in Ephesians chapter 4 verse 29, he said, Let no corrupt word proceed out of your mouth. But what is good for necessary edification, that it may impart grace to the hearers? The word corrupt, it means rotten or foul. It speaks of rotten vegetables, okay? And it's a very fine line, okay? When vegetables are are good, and you open the fridge, and you're like, yeah, that's still good. And when you open the fridge, and you go, ooh, that's definitely bad. That's about a 24-hour period. Travis, wouldn't you agree? I mean, it's really, it's, it's, it's a fine line. And one of them you're willing to eat and the other one is one that they would take and throw at people, all right? And so when we, when we, this idea of, of corrupt things proceeding out of our mouth, there's a very fine line between what is good and what is rotten and foul. And so we need to be careful about the words that we speak. God created the universe by his spoken word. Luke chapter 6 and verse 45, Jesus says this. A good man brings good things out of the good stored up in his heart. And an evil man brings evil things out of the evil stored up in his heart. For the mouth speaks what the heart is full of. What we say reveals our heart. And if we want to develop an attitude of ingratitude, come on, let's speak it out. Let's speak it out. Tip number three, be sure to worry all the time. Worry all the time. In fact, I want you to become proficient at it. You need to really get this down. Continually mull over past disappointments. Be consumed with anxiety about the future. You know, when we worry excessively, it does some things to us. It causes greater fatigue. It produces headaches, fast heart rates, shortness of breath. Chronic worry can even lead to a heart attack or stroke. Grateful people, on the other hand, they, they kind of say, you know, I'm not going to... I'm not going to dwell on the past. And I'm going to believe positive things about the future. I'm not even going to worry about the future. Jesus said in Matthew chapter 6, verse 25, he said, Therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink, or about your body, what you will wear. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothes? And then down in verse 34, the same chapter, he says, Therefore do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. Friends, worry is carrying the weight of all your problems. Refusing to allow God to carry them for you. It's not trusting God to take care of our needs. Peter says this, "Cast all, 1 Peter 5, 7, cast all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. Do you know that Jesus is called the burden bearer? The burden bearer. He is the burden bearer so that we don't have to bear those things ourselves. But if we want to get, if we want to be good at ingratitude, then we've got to be willing to worry about those things, to carry those things ourselves. The risk is that worry can literally kill you. Tip number four. Give yourself credit. Give yourself credit. Who do you believe is your source what do you believe is your source the source of and I'm talking about every good thing that's in your life what or who is the source what do you believe is it the universe is it karma is it the government is it your amazing employer is it you Where do good things come from? See, your answer determines whether or not you're a person of gratitude or a person of ingratitude. When those blessings come, if you would like to have an attitude of ingratitude, then you need to take credit for those things. You can say to yourself, I work hard. I started at the bottom and worked my way up. I got all the way up the ladder. I've earned the right to nice things. You watch that car commercial and they say, you deserve it. And you say, why, yes, I do. (laughs) I do something nice. Something nice happens to me. I'm a nice person. Karma returns it back to me. In the first century, there was a Roman philosopher named Seneca, and of gratitude he said that it is comprised of three interacting parts, benefactor, the benefit, and the beneficiary. If you say that you are the benefactor, then you do not need to be grateful because it comes from yourself. But if there's another source, then you need to be grateful to that source because it is from that source that the benefit comes and you are the beneficiary. So if I am the source of the benefits, I don't need to be grateful. So who is the benefactor in your life? Is it you? James chapter 1 and verse 17 James says this, every good and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of the heavenly lights who does not change like shifting shadows. The psalmist writes in Psalm 16, verse 2, I say to the Lord, you are my Lord. Apart from me, I have no good thing. Benefactor, benefit, beneficiary. Deuteronomy chapter chapter 8 and verse 18, it says, But remember the Lord your God, for it is he who gives you the ability to produce wealth. God is the source of all I have. It is ridiculous for us to be ungrateful. It is ridiculous. I've encouraged people this month to do something that maybe you've never done before. I bought this journal, uh, and I, I, I journal regularly, but I bought this journal for under $2 at a local store. And throughout the month, every day, I'm taking time to sit down and to write out what I am grateful for I've been looking forward to this month so much even before November got here I was I was spending time just in my in my time with God and I began to just pour out the 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 the, a sense of gratitude for those who have invested in my life from the time I was a kid. I share this on Wednesday night at our, at our, as we start our connect groups. We gather together here in the sanctuary for just a few minutes. And, and I, I'm, I was overwhelmed remembering those that took the time to invest in my life. And not just as an adult, but even when I was a kid, before before I, I showed any promise in this life whatsoever. I want to challenge you. If you say, I don't have the two bucks to get a journal, I'll give you the two bucks. Take the time. Every day, sit down and write out what you're thankful for. Just, just three or four things a day. It doesn't have to be elaborate, but if you find yourself that it's just flowing out of you, keep writing. I'm going to have the worship team come, and we're going to celebrate the Lord's Supper together. There is nothing that we can be more grateful for than Jesus' death on the cross and his resurrection. Amen? Amen. I want you to stand with me. Those that are going to serve communion, they're going to just begin to move throughout the sanctuary and let me just clear this up that you don't have to worry about being a member of Silver Creek Church to, uh, to participate in communion together. This is a meal. That's what the Bible refers to it as. It's a meal. So as the elements come, just you can grab the, the bread and the cup are in one, one location. So you just take it out like this and then you separate it without trying to spill it and then the bread is in the bottom so you can do that and we're we're all going to we're all going to do this together so we're going to wait till everyone has been served just like if you were having a meal at home you wouldn't start eating before your guests have been served i'm thankful This morning as I walked here in the sanctuary, I thought about you, and I am thankful for you. James, I'm thankful for you. Sam, I'm thankful for you. As I look throughout this room, Bob, I can see you over everybody. Bob's the only one looking down at me right now. I'm thankful for you, Bob. Tim, thankful for you. I'm picking out guys. I'm sorry. I don't want to pick out ladies and Michelle, I'm thankful for you. Sunshine, I'm thankful for you. Nikki, I'm thankful for Eric. <laughs> Carly, you're hiding back there. I'm thankful for you and Dean. Bonnie, I see you back there. I'm thankful for you. Travis? in to an attitude of being grateful I believe it will revolutionize our lives in 1 Corinthians chapter 11 the apostle Paul said the Lord Jesus on the night he was betrayed took bread and when he had given thanks He broke it and said, this is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. The same way after supper, he took the cup saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. For whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Father, As we hold this little piece of wafer, it is of no value. No nutritional value. It doesn't taste good. It doesn't look appealing. But we remember. We remember that Jesus gave his body for us. And Father, we want to say Come on, say thank you to the Lord. Thank you. We say thank you, Jesus, for being willing to die on the cross for us. And Father, there might be somebody here today that thinks, oh, this has been a silly exercise. Boy, I don't think it's silly. I don't think it's silly one bit to get in touch with this idea of being grateful the idea of being thankful father we say thank you for sending your son jesus jesus we say thank you for following the father's plan for giving your body for us would you partake of the bread together My grandson Levi sees anything that has the appearance of red on his skin. He panics and he says, I'm bleeding. But the Bible says that Jesus shed his blood. Not a dot of blood, but he shed his blood. We've learned from Scripture that blood is required to forgive our sins, and Jesus lived a sinless life so that he could shed his blood, not for his own sin, but for ours. As a ransom. He gave his life as a ransom for us. And so, Father, as we hold this this cup of juice... We're reminded as we look at its color, we're reminded of the blood of Jesus shed for the forgiveness of our sins. And we just want to say thank you. Come on, say thank you. Thank you. Jesus, thank you for enduring the cross. And you didn't have some divine gift of painlessness, but you endured the pain. You endured the shame. You endured that your father turned his head away from you when you cried, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Thank you, Jesus, for your willingness to shed your blood. Would you partake of the cup together? thankful for most of all what Jesus did for us on the cross